Hi, everyone, and welcome to Making Ways, the podcast all about the unexpected paths to a creative career. I'm your host, Rob Goodman, and we've got a lot of show for you today. I'm so excited you're here listening. This week's episode was recorded live at San Francisco Design Week at Butcher Shop, this incredible agency here in San Francisco. And we had so much fun with a packed house talking to Eric Marinovich, the hand lettering artist and designer from Friends of Type and Title Case, who's done work for Google and Nike and Facebook and Target and The Gap and his favorite neighborhood shops. Before we get started, I want to tell you about our sponsor, General Assembly. General Assembly is an amazing organization where you can take continuing ed classes on data science, UX design, digital marketing, so much more. If you use the offer code MAKINGWAYS at checkout at ga.co, you will get 15% off any class or workshop. So check it out and let me know what you think. And this week's episode was not recorded in a studio. It was recorded live, and you're going to hear all the energy and excitement of a packed house, and you're going to hear the audio from a live recording, so it's going to be a little bit different from our usual episodes, but I think you're really going to love this conversation with Eric. I am so grateful to him for joining the show, talking all about his path, what inspires him, why he cares so much about community, the advice he has for emerging artists, and some of his best uh, client and project stories. So let's dive into this week's episode of Making Ways, recorded live at Butcher Shop for San Francisco Design Week. Enjoy the show. Hey guys, welcome to Making Ways Podcast Live. Give it up. I'm so glad you're here. Yeah. Should we do it extra loudly? Uh, thank you so much to Butcher Shop. Thank you, Eric, for being here. San Francisco Design Week. Uh, it's going to be a really great night. And uh, so, so excited to have Eric Marinovich here. Eric uh, is an acclaimed, uh, incredible hand lettering artist. He is the co-founder of Friends of Type and Title Case. And uh, it's going to be a great conversation. So let's kick it off. And uh, Eric, welcome. Thank you for having me. Look at this. This is on Monday. Yeah, this. this is great. <laughs> wow. Um, so, Eric, just give me a little bit of a sense of what you're working on these days and what's keeping you late at the uh, at the studio. Oh, the the wheels churning. Uh, uh, I'm all over the place, so I tend to. T- Take projects on as um, I see them fit. I'm at a place in the career, uh, my career, where um, I have a little bit more diligence on kind of like picking what I want to work on. Um, but I put a lot of hard work to get here. But recently, that just came out. Um, all the Facebook pride, especially their profile frame. It's actually an illustration of a ribbon that goes into a heart that um, honors Pride Week and also um, uh, all that comes with it. And uh, did some lettering work for them as well, some proprietary, just as Pride. And then it'll also be launching in Brazil, so it's in Portuguese. So that was a really big one. That was a Fast and Furious deadline that came in. But what was the turnaround time? Uh, like a week. <laughs> Can you imagine a place like Facebook and something that significant? But the team that they have there is incredible, and their art department and their creative director, uh, Rachel, who I worked with, is is unbelievable. And Outside of that, I do a lot of engagement kind of with the community. So my office is in 20, 22nd in uh, Folsom, intermission. And I have this like walk to work. I leave my apartment. 
I make a right, I make a left, and then I make another left and a right, and then I'm at my office. But on the way there, I pass by a sushi restaurant, a cafe shop, and a couple other things, and I've like befriended these people in the course of nine years living in SF, and I like am just their in-house graphic designer. So my favorite coffee shop, uh, Grand Coffee, which is on mission between 22nd and 23rd, it's just four stools, a super small place, their tagline, not their tagline, my imposed tagline and the regulars that go there. It's like uh, your favorite bar that doesn't serve booze. Um, and it's really, so I'm his in-house designer. He's like, hey, I got to make a new stamp. Hey, I got to paint my window with my sign on it and all that kind of stuff. And that actually fuels kind of my creative desires and fire more so because I get to see the one-on-one -on -one relationship and the effects of doing something small for someone who might not have a budget to hire a graphic designer. And I just like, trade me in coffee. We're good. And by the way, you take a tab on coffee and you look at it after three years of going to a place, you're like, whoa, that was a lot of money spent. So I love that at the same time as you're working on the biggest kind of corporate clients, you're also working with the mom and pop shops right community. next door. It, it, that's, that, I think that is just the symbiotic relationship that you need to have the balance of working with something that you put out in the world that you don't get to see the effects of it versus one that you're there every single day and you can actually see like, hey man, this is helping my business. Like I'm paying rent. I'm able to put money in my savings account. And from some, for, for someone else who's a sole proprietor, like I really value people who are just trying to make it happen in a city like San Francisco that's, you know, yep. really cheap. We <laughs> <laughs> can all agree that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so both for these kinds of neighborhood projects and the Facebook Pride project, I'd love to learn about the actual process of lettering. Like how it starts, do you sketch it out, do you scan it and tweak it? Like how do you make such perfect marks? <laughs> it's fucking brutal. It really is. Um, I remember when I first started getting into it, um, I was just like, there's gotta be a better way. But now uh, I've put a lot of significant time into doing this and having it my sole profession that each time is like, I'm just like pulling hair. I'm just like, God. Why haven't I learned this better? But it's more my own doing because for each thing I do, I try to like out challenge the project I did before. So either changing up a lettering style or using color in ways that I haven't used color or using the software that I haven't used before, like a Photoshop using certain brush techniques or, you know, just being uncomfortable. And I think being uncomfortable as a creative is what gets my best work out of me, but it's excruciating. So I always start analog. And that is probably the bulk of the process. And then I watch like stuff on YouTube Still. for like three weeks and then uh, 15 minutes before it's due, <laughs> boom. No, that's an exaggeration, but there is this like excruciating um, time crunch where like I'm putting ideas on paper, I'm walking away, letting it just kind of marinate in my mind um, and not really putting myself in a position where I'm over-pressuring myself to like just find it on the spot. And I understand that I give myself maybe like the last day to really like fine-tune everything. So either with the sketches or the final, the final output, the final artwork that I'm handing to the client. It's incredibly reassuring to know that somebody at your uh, level of success is uh, still feeling that pressure yeah. every week and every deadline. My and wife's like, why do you do this to yourself? <laughs> I mean, does any part of you, it sounds like you are purposefully trying to recreate the process, so you're, you're, you're constantly pushing the art. I mean, does any part of you want to say, well, let me have a bucket of work that at least falls into like a cycle of process that I can count on and then let me reinvent the wheel every you know other project like I want to be 80 years old and like still doing this and I, I understand that 
what I do is just, I'm like, it's a trade. It's a blue collar trade. It's just like, by only doing will I get better. And I'm sure that's a way with many creatives in this audience. So the more time I apply myself, eventually I'll get to a place that I'll be comfortable. But I understand like your last question, like being comfortable is where I start Com comfortability is like a slow death, right? <laughs> so uh, I know that I just need to um, keep switching it up in a way that I know that that'll help the longevity of my career because I'm always building on listening to my gut. And um, if there is a style that I'm being hired for constantly, I will just take it off my website and abandon all projects that are I'm hired to doing. Um, it's just, it's just weird, but it's just something I know I'm telling myself, like, this is how it works because I always want to be fresh and I always want to apply myself and try new things that makes going to work every day exciting. And I realize that I might be ADD or whatever, that <laughs> if I do this thing in a repetitive nature, then I'm going to get stuck in this, like, kind of um, systematic approach on how I approach my work and I don't want to ever feel that way. And how about your training? You talked about it as kind of like a, you know, it's, it's, it's got a worksman uh, quality to it, everything that you do. Were you trained specifically around lettering and, and hand no. lettering or more traditional kind of graphic design graphic, school? Graphic design. Uh, there's some Cal Poly alumni in here. What, what? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sweet. Nice. <laughs> Two, three. We got three in the audience. I went to school and the program was great, but by the time I got there, I think my teachers were exhausted. They were like, dude, we are fucking that close to being retired. So we had a lot of energy. And not to say that they're not prolific and they're not great teachers, but the hunger that I had and that I was expecting to learn didn't fulfill the need. They didn't provide the need that I wanted. So luckily, I had um, Keith Bournemouth, uh, a classmate of mine who's now uh, creative director at Nike. And we just, him and I, just went. We, we relied on each other to get through it. We pushed each other in ways. Like, he was really into movies. He was more into music than I was. And so he expanded kind of my, like, spectrum of things that you could look towards to be inspired by to make better creative work. So, um, yeah, it just, it just, yeah, it just kind of naturally happened that way. And what about when you were a kid? Was creativity always central to who you were? Or was it yeah. just kind of one of the things? Were you yeah. always drawing? Yeah, I was always drawing comic Yeah, totally. <laughs> and I, I think I mentioned this in a, another podcast, but in like the seventh grade in health class, they made you look like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And it listed every single occupation and what the salary was. I won't say the year because I can't remember, but <laughs> comic book artist was $17,000. And at the nimble age of, I don't know, 14, I was like, fuck that. That is not enough money. Because I was looking at everyone's like, I was like, what are you going to be, lawyer? Oh, my God. I know I can't be a lawyer. I really, really like drawing Wolverine. Um, but fast forward like 20 years, and here I am. I was, uh, there was like a two-year period where I was, I was literally making under $10,000 a year because I committed myself to like developing a craft that I didn't learn in school that I now had this like newfound passion for, and I put everything that was distracting in the way to just build upon it, so. So when did you actually go freelance and go out on your own? Were you, were you doing more traditional kind of graphic design as you were trained and then eventually get into lettering? Uh, so I lived in New York for a long time, did all the branding, worked at Landor, smaller studios, got that on my system, moved to LA, 
and then moved up to San Francisco, and then I was like, oh, I'm gonna try the freelance lifestyle. I was working in-house at a lot of places, and I was just like, dude, I'm the, I'm the fucking, just the chore boy. I'm doing, I'm being directed, and like, I have a dad who's an immigrant, and he like, built something out of nothing, and I have that like, burning flame in me, and I finally got to like, take it out and say, you know what? Rather than doing what other people want me to do, I'm gonna make my own life decision, and I'm just gonna take the risk. So I went for it and just was so focused on making it happen that I just never looked back. Hey guys, I wanna tell you about our sponsor, General Assembly, but actually this week, I want you to hear about General Assembly from my friend, Sarah Beth, who actually went through their program and changed her career. So let's hear from Sarah. General Assembly provided an accessible way to take courses while I was still working full-time. So I took a weekend course um, every Saturday for about 10 weeks, and I studied user experience design. Uh, We covered subjects from research to communicating flows through diagrams and other deliverables that would help communicate the user experience potential for software or app design. Cool. And what's your job now? Now I'm working at Lending Club as a product designer. Product design incorporates user experience design. It also has a layer of um, user interface design in addition to service design and some other layers. I'm interested in taking a data science class next, actually. I think it would really help my work now as a product designer to really understand more deeply how the data is influencing our direction. So if you're like Sarah and you've been in that situation where you need to upgrade your skills and you're looking for a change, check out General Assembly. Use the offer code MAKINGWAYS at checkout and you'll get 15% off any workshop or class. So check it out. Let me know what you think. Let's get back to the show. Is there something that you wish you had known about going independent at the time that you know now, like just that would have saved you a lot of yeah. tears? Uh, estimated taxes. Uh, <laughs> don't wait a week to write somebody back because you never know it could be an awesome project. Uh, and you could be working with someone you've admired forever and you didn't realize it was them because it was their PA assistant. Um, <laughs> you know? <laughs> You would you would pass those notes. You never back know. You gotta you gotta open all those doors and just yeah. at least peek inside and like mm, mm, quietly close it. So, <laughs> so nowadays, are you are you hired directly by brands or do agencies hire out to you? All over the map. Okay. Um, I think I'm now seeing a move where a lot of uh, a lot of companies are starting to like build their in-house design teams, but you would think that. You know, even like places like Facebook, they have some of the most talented, prolific illustrators, designers, and this is just like from maybe a graphic design standpoint under their under their um, roof. But there's still there's these pockets and niches that maybe the team could serve, but maybe not with the time that they have available. So they'll contact out. They'll contract out to me. Like mm-hmm. the pride thing was just like, hey, we're trying this this script isn't working, can you just like look at it quickly for us? And so I just did a quick exploratory and they're like, you solved it, thank you. And you know, it's just, that's how it works. But yeah, so it's across the map. You have people who are contacting me directly or people who's like a project manager like, hey, 
my creative director just wanted me to reach out and see if you're interested. I'm like, yeah, let's make it happen. <laughs> so. And um, what about some big standout projects over the past few years? And I know the, the project you had with Sprite was pretty incredible. Maybe you can talk yeah, about that. From like a corporate um, commercial standpoint, I had every year in the summer, Sprite does this thing called Obey Your Verse. It's like their big ad campaign for the entire year. So they pick a handful of um, hip hop artists. The first year was all the artwork was done in house, but they had like Biggie, Nas, Rakim, and Drake, and they just take individual like uh, 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 lyrics from one of their songs and they put it on a can. That did really well for them, but uh, it, the next season that they did the year after, they're like, oh, I feel like we can just do something more. So they reached out to me to do the whole campaign. It was, who was it, God? Uh, Missy Elliott, J. Cole, and Tupac, and there was a total of 16 cans. Wow. So that's another question that I'll ask for you. Have I ever done that much work in like where I have to make a consistent body of work across like five style, like five lyrics, they have to be all in the same style and never before have I had that task. So it was like monumental. But to get there was a whole different story. I don't know if, should you want me to go into yeah, how I even course. got it? Yeah. Instagram is king. I use that as a portfolio. Fuck websites. Um, <laughs> we live in this immersed time. I feel that it's just this uh, constant visual stimulation. So I understand that you just need to ride that wave. And I do it as hard as I can with the time I have available. And I always use the time from November until January, because that's just when budgets for the year are kind of like closing down. Everyone's maybe spent their, spent their money on whatever things that they're working on. So I use that to do like free projects. I hate saying personal projects. Free projects are the ones that I see fit and the things that I want to create that I want to put out into the world. Um, a huge hip hop fan. And this is something I've had in my mind since I've like watched Yo, TMV, Yo MTV Raps as a kid <laughs> in my parents' closet when they went out to get groceries and they didn't know. But I found that like there's these signature sounds or words or style that hip hop artists have, ones that are like on the upper tier of, of that pyramid. And I thought, wouldn't it be nice to contrast um, using my skill set lettering and bring to life like DMX? <clears throat> You know, like, what does that sound like? So I'm challenging myself to develop, develop work that embodies that, you know? What, is that, what does that look like, you know? So um, I did this whole series. I did, like, Biggie, DMX, Kendrick, uh, Snoop Dogg, Tupac, just on my own. And then I don't know how the wind blows and how this stuff gets in front of people, but Michael Gluzman, who um, is the design lead at Sprite, he saw this, and he was just like, hey, I think we should bring this guy Eric into the mix. I know White and Kennedy is working on it, but I just think we should like let him pitch us some ideas. So Army of One against like their agency of record. <laughs> wow. Fuck, what do you do, right? You show up. And I showed up and I fucking got it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So um, but again, it's that mentality of like when I was in 2009, I'm like, I want this, and I just have to remind myself of like hey man, I have a family to feed now, so uh, I'll just burn those wheels. As my grandma says, you're burning the candle at both ends constantly. But I was just like, well, shit, I can die. I can get hit by a car when I go outside. So I want to make sure the time that I have, I'm doing the work that I want to be doing. And I want to do it to the best of my ability. So like, that's my legacy. Whoever looks at it, they're like, that was cool. I'll be happy with that, you know? It's, it's true. That's awesome. Is yeah. that the advice you give to young designers and illustrators? Like, I'm sure people are always asking you, 
how did you get to where you are? Like, how can I follow in this path? I mean, is it just killing it and not stopping? What, what do you, no. how do you tell people? It's be, never let go of the curiosity that got you to the place where you decided to commit to being a designer or a creative person. It's your outside curiosities that give you a unique voice and a unique approach to how you use color, how you illustrate the like a person's face, to like how you use type when you're typesetting a, a magazine, that I think we each can take the outside influences and inject them into our work. But I think there's moments where we have to appease to whoever our bosses are. But I do think that sometimes you just always need to show that option that's just fucking far out. Because you never know that someone's going to look at it. You're like, maybe you have a good creative director like Trevor here, where it was just like, who can just like, that's good, like, we're going there, you know? But you need to be able to have the confidence to show the stuff that you don't think would work, but also find yourself to work at places that allow that type of culture. So we're uh, in front of the, the logo for Friends of Type, and I'd love to hear about how that... How that came about. How that came about, yeah. Uh, so Friends of Type is a blog, remember those? God, <laughs> blog is like saying like, I don't know. What is, yeah, yeah, it's like, it's like when your grandparents said, I remember when we got an ice machine, you know, like a refrigerator that made ice. So blog, it's 2009, it was the same time I decided to make a move to being a freelancer. And um, I started it with uh, a dear friend, uh, Aaron Crambula. And I had moved to San Francisco, he was still in New York, and I had a really bad meeting and I just drew a very naive, phrase. It's just a, like, thank you and fuck you because it was a bad client meeting. And I showed it to him via iMessenger, iChat, whatever it's called now. And he was just like, this is great. We should put it somewhere. We should make something. And I'm just like, well, where? He's like, let's just make a website. I'm like, okay. So within a span of eight hours, um, and this is just, this is how our relationship and collaborative process always work between Aaron and I. He's just like bouncing off ideas. And he's one of the few people that I can conjure up something with because he's got the tools to make stuff happen I just have like okay I can make that I can make I can make the content but I can't make the actual like digital structure to, to put it live and in eight hours we made it happen we came up with the name we launched it uh, we sent it to a couple friends I was fast and furious on making new content and this is an age where it was like found um, what other of those like design inspiration and what I found in in that particular those silos is that it was just aggregated work. So you're taking people's content from their portfolios. There's no original content. And that's like something that we prided ourselves really hard on and we knew we hit, we just hit something unique. So then we put the dumb task on ourselves to post something new every single day. Aaron and I knew that we couldn't function that way. So we brought in Dennis uh, Pyongyang and Jason Wong who we all worked together at Landor once upon a time. And we all had this common bond of type lettering and calligraphy. So it just seemed appropriate that we would extend it and make a four person crew. And we just, three years, we made like 828 posts in 99, 993 days and just like went for it. And uh, I was the one who kind of like took it on to myself, like I'm gonna make this a full-time career. Like Aaron, uh, he's a, he works at Facebook um, and Dennis is like a creative director at an ad agency in New York, and uh, Jason's a freelancer. So anyways, we made it happen. What did you learn by giving yourself such an aggressive 
deadline every day. This is just how I work. I give myself the stupidest tasks. <laughs> Honestly, it's just like, so that's only going to take five minutes, right? <laughs> Three weeks later, I'm like, oh, what am I, like, shivering, like, oh, crying? Yeah, but, what did I do to myself? But you had was, enough time to realize what was going on, and then you continued to do it for three years, which is yeah, awesome, yeah. Too. Well, we looked at the, the analytics after week one, and, you know, I think there's just something is, like, when you're young and you're just innocent and naive, we're like, we had 60 visitors. Okay, <laughs> mom, your mom, his mom, grandma, no, 14 people that are unique, awesome. But to us, all we needed, I don't, it, visitors wasn't the drive, but it was definitely like the thing that acknowledged, the thing that we felt inside is like, we, we're onto something and we should just like put the time into pursuing it to see where it could potentially go. And what about title case? How did that come about? Uh, I was at a type conference in New Orleans called TypeCon, and I was out to dinner with a bunch of people who were attending the conference, and uh, Jessica Hish, who many of us know, who's prolific and amazing, she was on the other side of the table, and she's like, Eric, I'm moving to San Francisco. Do you want to get a studio? I was like, fuck, let me think about this. Yes. Um, but at that time, I was working from home. So going from working from home is like going five miles per hour. And then committing to an overhead of having a studio is like going 85 miles per hour. <laughs> but having someone like Jessica Hish in, you know, like in the, at the driver's wheel or in the passenger seat, uh, it made that decision much more easier to make. And um, I know that I've benefited greatly from sharing a space with a creative like that. And I know that I've pushed my work, and hopefully, you know, I think she's pushed her work as well from that combination of us just kind of pushing each other, like, you can do that better, or try it this way, so. Well, let me ask you about words. Like, you've now dedicated your life to words and letters and, and these <coughs> forms. Is there something specific about words and language and letters that, that really called to you? What, what was it that you knew that was your must? It is. It is the core existence of how we live our lives, how we communicate, how we have relationships with our loved ones, how we conduct business on a daily basis. And without it, I think we would be in these tribal senses where we're like hitting rocks together and trying to make fire. So we've come a long way and I understand that there's um, so much strength in how you could dress a word. And by having the skill set to add extra meaning via like, I can inject this lettering style, I can use a script, I can use a sans serif, that it almost becomes like another layer of clothing on it that might get your attention. So I'm, I love being provocateur stupid. I just like being able to use my skill set and dress words a certain way that we're all very consumed with what's in front of us all the time, that I want to be able to have the power in which someone takes a second look. And even if it's five seconds, they're like, oh, what's that? I've never seen that word drawn that way. I've never seen that color associated to that phrase. Um, then I know I'm doing my job. And I love that little nugget. I really strive to just kind of like focus on making something worth, worthwhile and worth your attention. And you've talked about community a, a few times. What is it about community and relationships um, both in your work, in your life as a, a parent, a husband, um, just a, a citizen of San Francisco. What is it about community and relationships that feels important to you as a, as a person? It fuels the soul. Um, there was a moment where I, when I first started working from home, I had no human interaction. Like the only person I would see is my wife. It was like she would come home from work and I'm like, 
Like, <laughs> you hadn't spoken for like 12 no, hours. No, and it, it became actually a problem to the point where I became a hermit and I was so focused on, on the work that I actually forgot to go outside. And I, I, I became socially awkward. I should have seen a therapist, but I didn't. I, I'm sure I should have gotten medication, but I didn't. But um, it wasn't until I got a studio with Jessica and like, I remember that first year of just, I couldn't articulate my thoughts because for two years, I was literally locked in my apartment just working. And that is crazy to me. So when I made the decision to have a studio, I'm like, I'm not gonna be the person that doesn't engage my community because I live in a beautiful place. And um, I know that life is only as good as the people you surround yourself with. So if I can engage in people that I really care about and also be, always be open and having an extra minute to have a conversation with someone who's a stranger, you never know that conversation could become a body of, of your next work or it could be a, a, a new lifetime friend. And that's like things that I think I didn't value for, for a while while I was so focused on work that I got back to it. I'm like, it just, it, it just, it makes living um, completely, completely more worthwhile. I know that sounds cliche, but it, it's so true from someone who didn't get that for a couple of years, so. That's, that's amazing to hear, and uh, I think good for, for everyone to remember. Awesome, guys, let's give it up for Woo! Eric. <laughs> okay, that was the episode recorded live at San Francisco Design Week. Thank you so much to Eric Marinovich. Eric, it was incredible to have you on the show, and I really enjoyed the conversation. I hope everyone out there listening really took a lot away from it as well. Big thanks to Butcher Shop, who hosted us that night, and check them out at butchershop.co. Check out Eric everywhere online and look up Friends of Type and Title Case. If you're not familiar with Eric's work, it's incredible, and it's going to inspire you, no doubt, so check him out. And if you're interested in learning more about Eric and learning more about the episode and checking out show notes, seeing my original illustration of Eric, and reading the article I wrote with some additional insights from our conversation, check out makingways.co. And you can follow us on Twitter at making underscore ways or check us out on Instagram at making.ways. Thanks to AIGA and San Francisco Design Week for having us. Thanks to our sponsor, General Assembly. Go to ga.co, use the offer code MAKINGWAYS at checkout, and you'll get 15% off any class or workshop. Let me know what you think. Making Ways is engineered by Jim Heffernan at TTO Productions. Our intro music is by The Sandworms, and we've got some music by Jim Heffernan in the mix, too. Thanks to listeners. Thanks to everybody who came out to check out the interview live at San Francisco Design Week. And I love hearing from you guys. So reach out on Twitter or email or on the website and come up to me during our next event. And I'll see you guys soon. Have a great week. <laughs> <laughs>